0: to The Big Tent on Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9, Caldwell, Boise. Um, I'm your, your host today, Luke Fowler, here with all my co-hosts. We actually have the entire crew together for the first time since the pandemic struck. And hey! But, but to be clear, we're all doing this via Zoom. Nobody's in the same room. Lots of good stories to talk about, politics, pandemics, and fun stuff to do. Right, guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I thought it would be interesting to talk politics. That's sort of what we do on this show, uh, and maybe revisit what's happening with the presidential election in light of the pandemic. There was some interesting presidential news this week. I might get this wrong, so Charlie Jackie, correct me if I don't have it. Since you're politics experts here, Justin Amash, who is um, is a former Republican from Indiana, I think. Michigan. Oh, Michigan.
2: He switched from Republican to Independent. Was it before the
1: impeachment hearing started?
3: Yeah, it was right before. Yeah, it was last fall.
1: Yeah, he thought because he thought the president should be impeached based on the evidence. And now he is declaring that he's going to run for president as a libertarian. Politics Twitter is freaking out because they are worried that this is going to be a spoiler that is going to throw things. I should say liberal politics Twitter that's going to throw things in President Trump's favor. What are your thoughts about that?
3: Well, I mean, whether or not it throws things in President Trump's favor is completely up for debate. I don't think it's a sure thing one way or the other. I'm not sure anyone has any evidence yet. I think a lot of folks, particularly on hashtag liberal Twitter, are still feeling burned from 2016 and frankly from 2000 also, where the evidence there is at least somewhat clear that a third party candidate possibly cost the Democrat the election in the Electoral College. And there is some reason for concern here for Democrats, particularly since Amash is from Michigan. Part of the calculation behind this, I think, is that he was going to have a lot of trouble getting reelected anyway. Uh, A lot of the Republicans in his district probably thinking about voting for someone else, like whoever the republican nominee was and trump of course trashed him on twitter you know amash is not a very well known guy i think even folks like gary johnson in 2016 had more name recognition than someone like amash and so again i think you know we've been talking about covid-19 and his ability to get huge name recognition while campaigning from his living room or wherever you know i i, I don't necessary. I'm sure I'll be eating my words in nine months, but uh, uh, I don't see him gaining a ton of name recognition traction, but but that's just me.
2: Plus, ideologically, libertarians are pretty far from Democrats. So it's unclear that a libertarian candidate would pull much from the Democratic candidate. He could from the Republican candidate. Again, it can be hard to know where people lie and who they decide to vote in some ways. But ideologically, I think that this would be more of a, a threat to the a republican candidate although again like charlie thinks i i don't think it's a major threat but it is always interesting what happens when you have these third-party candidates in an election i
3: mean in 2016 you did have this segment of the electorate who were, you know, even fairly conservative Republicans, but who were not too happy with Trump as the nominee. And the only areas where they kind of had to go either were these lesser known third party candidates, and that included people like Evan McMullen, who you may remember actually got a significant portion of the vote in Utah and in some Western states. You know, there there is this segment of the electorate who is looking for a not Trump. But when faced with someone, you know, a choice of another Democrat, like, Joe Biden, who, whatever his faults, and we'll get into what some of those might be, is much, much, much more popular among basically all groups of voters than Hillary Clinton was. And I think a lot of those Republicans who might have wanted to vote for a Republican who wasn't Trump would actually be much more comfortable with someone like Biden than they were with someone like Hillary Clinton.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if we think about who Amash does have name recognition among, it's going to be never Trumpers, and it's going to be those on the left who were looking for Republicans to defect away from the Republican voting bloc that sort of held the Senate firmly in place. And not, I don't think any of those are going to sort of be large enough, take take enough votes away from a Biden or a Trump to really make a, make a difference. It's a good point. So Charlie, you just sort of mentioned the elephant in the room, which is that Joe Biden who's ostensibly going to be the democratic nominee. We really haven't been seeing much of him. We think that's probably intentional, right? Trump's been doing himself no good with a lot of his, you know, television appearances and stuff like that. So Biden is purposely laying low, but there are these accusations that are emerging that he sexually assaulted a young, I think Tara Reddy, I think is how she pronounces her name. So so what are we making of that and the the impact of that?
3: Yeah, I mean there's this is uh... Uh, an allegation that is actually not all that new. And it's really not all that new when you consider some of the new evidence that has come out this week, including a call in to the old Larry King live show in 1993, I believe, that apparently uh, Reddy's mother made talking in sort of vague terms about something that had happened to her daughter at the hands of a of a US senator you know she she didn't go into detail as she said wanting to both protect her daughter's identity and actually to protect the identity of if this is to be believed then Biden as well this is an allegation that that Reddy was sexually harassed and then subsequently aggressively sexually assaulted while working for Biden i believe as an administrative assistant in the early 90s the Biden campaign has denied the allegation but there's sort of some mixed Amount of corroboration going on, a number of her friends and family at the, confirming that at the time or around that time, Reddy told them about this allegation. Which, you know, when assessing things like this, which is always obviously really difficult, it, you know, is usually an indication that something really happened here. And then you have other other people who worked for Biden at the time saying that she never mentioned anything like this. That there was nothing to this. And these are always really tricky situations. But, you know, this is becoming a bigger story and a more credible allegation all the time, even in the midst of this sort of news swamp of of coronavirus. So uh, obviously a lot going on here.
1: Jackie, you study gender and politics. What's sort of your take on this? Well,
2: there's several elements, right? One is the concerning element of the assault itself, but also you think, I mean, women make up a major chunk of the Democratic coalition, and Democratic women voters care deeply about issues related to sexual assault, sexual harassment, and one of the big complaints about President Trump is his history of doing so. So having the Democratic nominee have these allegations could be very concerning to a core block of the Democratic Party. It also really limits the ability to critique the president on those issues
1: during the campaign. I will say, I think it seems to me that Biden is really running on this idea that he might be able to restore the sort of moral center of America to the country. And this is one way in which I think that really tarnishes his ability to make that argument for himself. For sure. So it's going to be interesting to see how how things unfold from that.
3: Yeah, and I think a big question going forward, I mean, with the election in general, Aside from this story, things have, like you said, Jen, Biden's just gotten out of the way and let Trump do his thing. And that has paid him dividends, at least in a lot of the polling that we've been seeing. We've been seeing Biden doing a lot better and Trump doing a lot worse among two really key demographics, one being independence. Trump's approval rating is absolutely plummeting among independence in the last couple of weeks, particularly in regard to his coronavirus response. And it's plummeting among uh, older Americans, which are like 65 plus, who, as we know, are tend to be more at risk for coronavirus. And as we know, tend to be one of Trump's core voting blocks. And so, you know, that's a group of voters that we know votes really reliably. And that's got to be something that Biden is feeling good about. And so I, you know, one thing I wonder with with these allegations is if if, and how much it's going to sort of outlast these, this kind of lack of few weeks of coronavirus, which doesn't seem to be abating anytime soon. And it's hard to know you know, what kind of news stories are really going to break through in a year like this, in a cycle like this, with this kind of all-encompassing story looming in the background. I mean, maybe he's just hoping to wait this out. But uh, like Jackie said, a lot of voters, especially a lot of women voters, aren't going to think that's good enough.
1: That said, November's a long ways away. That's right. We're about to take a break, but I think we want to remind folks that Around this time, we would normally be having Radiothon, which is a way that all of our listeners can support the kind of community-based, community-supported radio that we do here at Radio Boise. All of us are volunteers. We've figured out how to keep making this show from home because we really care about Radio Boise. We care about the mission. And so we want to really encourage you at this time, if you are able if you can, to go to radioboise.org, hit that support button, and consider making a one-time donation or repeating donation uh, to keep us on the air, to keep all of our friends and colleagues at Radio Boise who provide you with great music, great public affairs programming, great cultural programming on the air. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about ways to stay in quarantine and what might tempt you to come out. Stay tuned.
0: All right, we're back on Big Tent Radio on Radio Boise, and we're talking about pandemic and quarantine and trying to uh, deal with some of the the monotony that has uh, started to set in after several weeks of this. I sent Jackie and Charlie and some of our colleagues uh, kind of an irritated text this weekend because I was uh, picking up some food in in Hyde Park with my wife, and I drove past a certain restaurant with a nice patio, and there was a couple of dozen people out on the patio just drinking beer and having a good time. And uh, we all really like drinking on patios. but we have not been doing it um, for obvious reasons. Uh, and so I you know, I texted him and said, look, we're, we're boycotting this restaurant from here on out. Um, this really irritates. And then uh, Monday morning, there was a uh, article in the Idaho Statesman where apparently this blew up on Facebook and there was tons of complaints called in. And so I was not the only person that got really irritated about this, um, which is very interesting to, to see the overwhelming community response to this, where it is a lot of people really upset to see Everybody else not taking this quarantine seriously, Uh, even though there's this big pool to, uh, you know, drink on patios, especially as it it gets sunnier and the weather gets nice and you really want to be outside.
1: Yeah, I think as this weather, as this weather gets nice, you're just gonna, man, walking around the north end, there are just tons of like backyard parties and stuff happening. I saw a group of uh, young people. You young people, they were out in their front yard, they were shaking hands, they were drinking beers. And I was like, oh man, clearly. They were shaking hands. These folks, oh no. They were shaking hands. <laughs> yeah. I was like, clearly the pandemic's over. Yeah. No, there was handshaking. Um, and it's like, I had a visceral reaction to it. Like, I feel like there's a taboo that I've deeply internalized around people being close to one another and touching one another. And I have such a strong reaction when I see people violating it now so it's really interesting to see that some folks are just like i'm out of here and they're gonna go sit on the patio and other folks like me are like no can't do it
0: well and jen one of the interesting parts of all of this right is that a uh, boise police department made a statement several weeks ago that basically said we've gotten hundreds of calls um reporting people violating this this order and gathering in groups <laughs> and basically they followed it up with look we don't really have the resources to go out and respond to these so don't call it in just use your best like Try not to. And it's just like, how are you not going to enforce this? How are you telling citizens not to call these things in when we're supposed to be doing this? Right. Um, So I, I think that's really interesting because, I mean, ultimately what what the city is saying is, hey, don't congregate in groups. But if you do, nothing's going to happen
1: it feels like that's a political decision too right especially in idaho where it's you have a small but very vocal minority of people who feel that this is an infringement on their civil liberties and their constitutional rights I don't think those are good arguments, but they're making those arguments, and I think if you go around arresting those folks, you really risk hyper politicizing the lockdown. And so, I my guess is they've been told not to enforce it because then then things can get ugly pretty quick. But yeah, for those of us who are following it, we're like, take them in, right? You know, I'll
0: agree that it, it's definitely the right move on the city's part to not aggressively enforce this, but it's also very very frustrating from my perspective, as I see, I was like, you know, the reason this is going to last another two weeks is because of you bunch of idiots. Like if you'll just stay in your homes, this will be okay.
2: Which I think is where that social pressure can be effective, right? Is, you know, saying something or, or like, you know, I think that that's where we can help push behavior, nudge the behavior we want by like being like, no, it's not okay to go in stores without a mask, like, you know, put a mask on.
1: But so, um, Charlie, you have some things that are helping you to stay like in the house and to stay entertained and sort of keep your mind off of what you might be missing out in the, the larger world. And so what, what's been on your list?
3: Yeah, I mean, there are a few, I think, really interesting ways in which the thinnest possible of silver linings around something like this is that it inspires a lot of people to be really creative with either how they, you know, have their home workspace. I, if this wasn't a radio show, I, I wish you could see what my desk looks like right now. But uh, especially the way a lot of artists have communicated with their listeners and viewers and things like that during the during the pandemic, particularly on, on things like Instagram. And there are a couple of things, you know, that I normally like. So for example, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the weekly NPR show Live From Here, which is just like a weekly music variety hour hosted by one of my my favorite artists, Chris Thiele, and they have basically organized, they've transitioned it into Live From Home and organized a lot of artists who regularly contribute to their show to record, you know, little mini segments uh, from their homes using whatever recording equipment they can crop up and then put them together into sort of weekly shows and sharing them with people, and it... And there's a way in which it's really intimate it's it's these artists you normally see up on stage and they're above you and stuff but now you're seeing into their homes and their kids are running around in the background and like they're just like pouring a drink at home and and recording a little ditty and like there's a way in which it it kind of humanizes them and, and puts them on your level and you're seeing their posts right after posts from your friends and stuff doing similar things and That's that's one thing that I've uh, that I've really been enjoying kind of art like that, that puts folks all on the same level, because there's a way in which, you know, this virus kind of brings us all all down to at least sort of similar levels.
1: And is there anything that tempts you like that, where you're like, oh, but I'd really love to go do X or I really need a haircut?
3: I definitely really need a haircut but you know I, I mean at some point i'm just gonna shave my head and and we'll see what happens but as far as what what tempts me i mean the the things i really miss are getting to go out and try new places especially as someone who's new to the area there are there are slash were a lot of places that i was still really dying to try and go places with you find people and, and and you know check out some restaurants and and that's okay. I mean, I'm I'm still able to sort of go and do the outdoors thing for the most part, which is which is really nice, while you know maintaining appropriate distance and things like that. So uh, I feel very lucky that my life has has you know not changed as appreciably as others. Um, but you know those kinds of things are are tempting, just sort of going out into the world and seeing other people face to face. Because as much as I love you all on Zoom, it's not quite the same, is it? <laughs>
1: No, it's definitely not. Jackie, what's keeping you happy at home these days?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, just having nice weather and being able to go out for a walk or hike, it means it helps so much, right? Just being out outdoors, getting out of the, the small area of our house. Um, but yeah, I've, I've enjoyed just the creative ways people are coming up to keep themselves entertained. There's something called the Getty Challenge for a while with people trying to recreate famous paintings or works of art with just things at home. And it was just fantastic to see the cleverness of people um so i I, that's you know those types of things have been really entertaining as well
0: what about you luke uh you know me and the wife are still uh, very much on our binge watching netflix and uh amazon all that other kind of stuff um so that pretty much entertains us and we're also still in the process of renovating our home so i think she gets a little upset after i you know work for a while on you know work things and then i go to working on the house stuff and when she just wants to watch netflix uh, so um but uh yeah it's it's starting to wear out i think we might have to find a new hobby here if this goes on much
3: longer i've also been rereading harry potter which is always a good activity i think
1: oh so. that's so great i love it
3: So, you know, we're going to end this segment, but first we just want to, you know, make one more little call to action here. You know, this is a a time when our sort of crew over at Radio Boise, it can be tough to get things done. It can be tough to get things out on the radio with all of our excellent, um, you know, DJs and, and public affairs hosts at home. But we're trying to get it done for everybody because this is community radio, and it and we do see this as a as a public service, and as as members of the School of Public Service at, at Boise State, that's something we value a lot, and we hope that you do too. If you do, if you can spare you know a few bucks, uh, please just head on over to radioboise.org, click on Show Your Support, and there are a bunch of different ways you can contribute, whether it's a sustaining gift or or just a one-time thing. It would be uh, really, really appreciated. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this.
0: All right, we're back on the big. Uh, we're back on Big Tent Radio uh, with our, our final segment, and uh, we've been talking about how we entertain ourselves during the pandemic. And Jen, I hear that uh, you've been
1: entertaining yourself with a new member of the family. Is that correct? That's right. The last time I was on the Big Tent with Charlie. I think I talked about how we were going to adopt a puppy and we did do that, which is both the best and worst decision we've ever made. <laughs> we have a new member of our house whose name is Otis. He's a 3-month-old black lab kelpie mix and he has he's one of those dogs that has like the one ear that's like flops over and one ear that stands straight up. And he is beautiful and adorable. I take him for a long hike in the hills every morning before there's a lot of people out to wear him out. And so he's just a super love until about 6pm every day. And then he turns into just a raging maniac. And I wonder why we ever adopted a dog so I know you guys have had puppies before a few of you anyway is this normal like we call it the we call it his terror time because he turns into such a sweet little lovey boy into literally he will launch himself from a cold start with his teeth bared like four feet in the air and try to latch himself onto your shoulder is this is it is he a psychopath is he going to be okay what's happening
3: Uh, the, the, the bad news is you're, you're giving me some like traumatic flashbacks from when my dog roadie was 12 weeks old. When I got him, he had only two modes. His two modes were, uh, well, he had three modes. One mode was just like sleeping as if he were dead. Another mode was chewing on, like trotting around and chewing on anything he could possibly find. And his third mode was exactly what you just said. Just unexpectedly sprinting across the (laughs) room towards nothing, I guess, uh, with no particular goal in mind, just just really uh, trying to get out his exuberance for life. And it would, it would happen at night. Like, as like I'm usually sort of settling in for the night and trying to wind things down, he's ready to wind it up. Like, I, I, we had the, I don't know, Jen, if you do the crate, but oh, yeah. we, I, I had him in the, in the crate to start out to, you know, crate train him to, to go potty at the appropriate time. And, I would put him in there at like 10 o'clock when I was ready to go to bed and he would be like ready to party just like bopping around the crate and digging up the newspapers and stuff and you know looking back it's entertaining but uh I I didn't get a lot of sleep for a little while so I am I, I am in total solidarity with you but it will get better
1: okay I hope so I I will say he sleeps through the night which is awesome and we've only had him for a couple weeks and he's already potty trained which is awesome but it literally it's like a two or three hour period and that's Charlie you nailed it it's like I'm on zoom or blackboard or screens whatever all day long and then I come upstairs and I'm bleary-eyed and like just want to have dinner and relax and he's just like that's right the moment when he's ramping up and he's like full hour of power so luke you have dogs right like does this sound familiar to you maybe you haven't had puppies i don't know
0: uh yeah i've had two dogs but i got them in grad school so Mm -hmm. it was a a different time and place in my life and uh, maybe i was up at uh, 10 p.m or midnight uh, hanging out with them uh, more often than i was getting up early. (laughs) um so i think they went through different experiences um particularly like i had a house and I had lots of friends that would come over and so they were just kind of the uh, center of the party all the time. And so they, they loved it, but so they're, uh, they're very old now or they're 10 and 12, 10 or 12. uh, And so they really just like to lay around the house all day and just kind of follow you around from room to room. Um, But it's kind of funny that one of them is very stuck in his ways and he likes his routine. If you break from the routine, it very much upsets him. So he doesn't like that my wife sleeps in now. And so when it's time to get up and go from the bedroom to the living room, if she's not up, he gets very upset and starts barking. And, doesn't like that so those are the type of conflicts we run into my house
2: our dog's also a bit older now um 12 or 13 Uh, we adopted him when we was two so he was a little bit of a puppy but not really anymore but he still will get the zoomies every once in a while and run around the house like crazy and be squeaking toys and throwing them around but he's not very destructive anymore so i think that's that's the
1: benefit of an older dog well the other funny thing is that he's like when he ha- is having his hour of power, he like walks around like he's very a big dog and he just, he runs, rules the roost. But then, you know, he is also a pandemic dog. And so there's nobody coming to the house. There's not a lot of people coming and going. And so when I do take him for walks and he sees other humans or other dogs, he is such a big baby. <laughs> he's like, who's that? And he's terrified. So yeah, two modes. One is like, I will destroy you. And the other one is, oh, <laughs> I'm afraid of everything.
2: <laughs> the poor guy is going to have quite the adjustment when people start going back to work.
1: He is. It's a whole generation of puppies because, you know, like people are adopting puppies like crazy right now. Yeah. And all of them are going to have to be socialized at some point. Yeah. So clearly
0: we all very much love our dogs and our pets and are giving them tons of attention. Um, but this is something that goes on largely at the, the school of public service. So we have lots of colleagues. And Charlie, I believe that you were partially in charge of a contest related to this recently, correct?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I I have a ton of work to do and and papers to grade and uh and you know research to do and a book to write and so what I have decided to do is like fling all my time and energy into organizing and putting on a uh pet photo submission competition and a subsequent award ceremony which will be taking place tomorrow over Zoom. We put out the call to uh, everyone in the School of Public Service faculty and staff. And they submitted, all. I, I think, about 70 pictures of various pets. Uh, they, they went above and beyond. Uh, we ended up with, with five categories that I'll, that I'll share with you. And, and we'll share some of the key photos from these submissions. But we had, uh, we had three different dog categories. We have most fashionable dog. We had cuddliest canine and most poseworthy pup. And then we had a, uh, a cat agori. Get it, uh, of friendliest feline. Thank you, Jen, for laughing. Uh, and then we had some lovable pet trailblazers, some non-cats, non-dogs. And I believe, Jen, you had a submission in this category, did you not?
1: Listen, that is a very politically correct way to describe all the animals that are like weird. Um, so yeah, my daughter Noli submitted her hedgehog Kingsley for that category. So we're we're definitely rooting for Kingsley to to sweep that award category
3: yes well you'll, well you'll have to wait tomorrow for the awards ceremony but, but
1: i think he probably had a good shot <laughs> yeah there were like some there were some nematodes or something in <laughs> there.
3: Uh, it was an axolotl, Jen, uh, which axolotl. is a pet I had never heard of before that was submitted. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Kingsley stands a pretty good chance. I don't know. It was a it was a fun thing, and and tomorrow we're gonna have a little presentation. I've written down about a million animal puns uh, to get us through the award ceremony. So. Um, y'all have that to look forward to.
1: Bring your drinks.
3: That's right, bring your drinks. Uh, it's at happy hour, but it was just a fun way to kind of, you know, the theme was sort of, you know, tell us about your work from home, buddy. You know, now, now we all have everyone with pets has their own kind of uh, friendly little coworker now, and so. That's speaking of things that are getting me through the pandemic. That's certainly one of them. And so we think that's true for our colleagues as well, given the speed with which they uh, submitted these special pets.
2: And hopefully the ceremony will be wrapped up in time for the new Parks and Rec because I'm pretty excited for that. Yes.
1: Ooh, yeah. That's going to be great. Very, very exciting. That's a very positive note. I think that's a great way to wrap up the show today. You've been listening to The Big Tent here on Radio Boise with Charlie, Jackie, Jen, and Luke. We will talk to you next week. See you then.